0: I always say the best advertisers, they think like investors and they execute like scientists.
1: Welcome to a special episode of Marketers Talking Marketing. We are joined with, I'm going to say, friend of the show at this point, Silvio Perez. And we are getting an insider sneak peek at something very exciting coming soon. Silvio, with that introduction, take us away. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you here?
0: Thank you for having me, Jess, friend of the show, friend in real life, uh, all the friends. And a little bit about me before I was the head of performance and product innovation at a company called Metadata, where you and I worked together uh, briefly. And then before that, I was a consultant working with different B2B SaaS companies. I have a YouTube channel where I create content on how to run ads online. I think I have like over 50 plus video tutorials.
1: Oh my God. It's accumulated
0: over the years. Uh, I wrote a book called Google Ads Profits, uh, teaching people how to generate the first thousand leads without blowing their budget. So create content all the time on ads. And, and now I'm working with a handful of clients. In the meantime, that I'm starting up my new venture.
1: New venture. Dun, dun, dun. So we are going to talk today a lot more about advertising. Uh, we both love advertising, right? It's, it's our bread and butter. It's been our lives for a long <laughs> time. And specifically, anyone can build a campaign it's not that hard. Anyone can build a campaign. Optimizing your campaign for performance and scaling a campaign is not always easy. So today we want to dive into scaling campaigns. Silvio, I hear a little birdie told me that you have a framework you're developing. So drop it on us. What do we need to know?
0: Absolutely. So basically um, a a couple things. So first and foremost, most advertisers are too myopic in their focus, they just think in terms of LinkedIn, they just think in terms of Google or Facebook, et cetera, or they'll just think at the campaign level in terms of like scaling Google, scaling LinkedIn, but they don't know how to build a holistic program in which everything kind of rolls up and feeds into. So in terms of the framework, and this is part of my first course that I'm releasing, so the new venture that I'm launching is an academy that teaches B2B marketers how to scale paid ads for free regardless of skill level and uh, a lot of exciting stuff there. And this first course that I'm launching is all about building your paid media program. And the framework that that whole course is built around and kind of what I run clients through is called the scale framework. And the scale framework stands for strategize, configure, assemble, learn, and expand. Those are the five stages that you have to go through to go from no paid program at all to fully scaled and flying high uh, you know, at a thousand feet in the sky and 10,000 miles an hour. So essentially first strategize, this is all about, you know, how do you choose the right channels to advertise on? How do you make sure you have the right budget in place? How do you uh, plan your campaign for the different stages that you want to have an impact on? So just really 10,000 foot view. Configure is when you get more into the reporting and measurement side of things. You need a way to measure your program success, right? Do you have the necessary dashboards, the reporting in place? And then I have like this whole infrastructure in terms of like auditing your systems. I call it facing reality, because <laughs> if you don't have the the necessary visibility in place, then how do you know if you can scale a campaign, you know, let alone a program? It's, it's, it's massive. Uh, so really getting that infrastructure. The A is assemble. So this is all around like, how do I actually plan my campaigns? So this is where it gets into campaign planning. How do you make sure that you plan yourself so you're in a position to succeed, right? So when you actually deploy all these campaigns... And then L is for learn. So this is how do you build your experimentation engine. So that way you can build on your learnings and not repeat the same mistakes. A lot of people miss that one. And then the final one is expand, which is all about like, okay, I have this infrastructure in place. How do I secure budget from stakeholders? And then how do I start to scale, uh, whether that's horizontally or vertically, whether that's like in existing channels, new channels, et cetera, to really take it to the next level. So that's kind of what the whole framework is at a 10,000 foot view.
1: I love it because it also feels very intuitive as you say it, but I know when you're going through that list, I can tell you which one I think is the biggest pain point for a lot of companies. Which spot do you think people get the most kind of stuck on in there?
0: I think it's a combination, but if I had to choose one, I think most people think they do well on the first stage, strategize, but they don't really. (laughs) Uh, if I'm being honest, they think they have a good strategy, but you know, they've, they haven't thought through it as well as they probably thought. So, but the one that everyone gets wrong for sure is the second one, configure. Uh, like nine times out of 10, especially with the new clients that I've been working with, it's, you know, they're, they're scaling in reverse. The way I explain it is, you know, software companies, they have tech debt and they have to fix all this bad code. And, you know, as they grow, they have to address that because it doesn't let them grow even further the same is true but from a paid perspective they have this reporting debt this tracking debt that they don't have all that enabled so that they have that baseline foundation i almost think of it as like plumbing the infrastructure so that everything else is easier from here
1: yeah hundred 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 thousand percent agree for I see the same thing with my clients all the time where they want to get started in paid advertising. So they get super excited, they put their card in Meta and they're going to go run a campaign and then they're like how do we get our leads out? It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> Let's get our plumbing in order. Let's yeah. get our stuff moving between or like, you know, my my handle on most social is still put a pixel on it. Like, put a pixel on it. Are you measuring it? You tell me you want to do retargeting. Do you have a retargeting audience? And why are we doing retargeting? And what are we retargeting them with? and like what are we doing yep. here you know i think a lot of people get excited about using paid advertising as a way to expand what they're doing on their marketing efforts you know get some demand capture demand generation in play and they'll just start doing it but then they're not asking why they're not setting their systems up they're not going after it. and then they're and then they're upset that it doesn't work or they can't measure their performance. Like, it's well, the, vicious, the vicious <laughs>
0: loop, you know, and it just keeps repeating yeah. and keeps repeating. I always say the best advertisers, they think like investors and they execute like scientists. So first, you need to start from the very highest of level when you're setting your strategy, you're calculating your budget. You're thinking like an investor, right? In terms of what is my budget allocation? What are my targets that I'm going after based on the stage that I want to impact Do what are my leading indicators, my lagging indicators, right? Like kind of thinking through that, taking it even another step further when you start to build your experimentation program, you know, later in the framework, thinking through what are your rules of testing engagement, right? Like how do we make decisions on whether we keep an ad live or we pause it? So just writing that down is super helpful so that you're not making decisions out of emotion and you're driving decisions based on logic, right? And yeah. then if you can factor that decision based on revenue even better so you figure out your break even cost per click, your break even cost per lead and now you have some sort of conditions based in reality on whether this ad should keep running. So it's yeah. like it's all that 100%. Well,
1: I think you know the reason metadata exists right in the first place also is because testing on social can be hard if you're not setting it up correctly. Facebook, LinkedIn will both try and optimize your performance. So they're going to serve your your top performing ad To the audience that's responding to the best. Sometimes you have an ad that doesn't do as well, but it's not getting any attention. It doesn't have that chance to take over. Uh, Facebook especially is really aggressive with optimizing. So if you want to have an A, B test and you're not controlling your audience and segmenting, you don't really have statistical significance. I think a lot of people also don't have, they don't think about how much do, they don't think about what defines success. You know, I'm not I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about we need to see a certain number of impressions to have the right confidence interval between our performances. I'm I'm not saying that eloquently, (laughs) but thinking about your test before you do it is such a a misstep for a lot of people, is where I'm going with that statement.
0: Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) You need statistical
1: significance, people.
0: So I I will say a couple things. One Most people just don't have enough data for statistical significance if they're running enough experiments. And they almost let that be like a a crutch where they're like, oh, we can't get statistical significance. So we're not going to do anything of significance, (laughs) you know? (laughs) We don't need to measure anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like like one extreme or the other. We're
1: flashing to the new anti-attribution stance that some people are taking of, you know, none of it's right. So just put, put a field on your farm, asking someone where they came from and don't measure anything.
0: Extremes of it's any like, kind are usually not the right way to go, like within life. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it, it's uh, everything yeah. is a dichotomy, right? Like if you go too far into one way where it's like no attribution at all, no measurement, that's yeah. not gonna be very good. But if you go too extreme where it cripples you and you're not able to make decisions and have flexibility, that's also going to hurt you. so it's always finding that that little sweet spot in the, in the middle. and you know to that point, just for everyone listening, there's a lot that we're talking about and it can sound very overwhelming. So at the very beginning, just ask yourself, what are the questions that I want to answer? And then from there start to formulate how can I structure my campaign in a way, name my campaigns, name my ads so that it is easy for me to find those insights and those you know get those learnings. Another example is like Google Analytics. A lot of people are setting up their Google Analytics instances. And I see people all the time saying like, what goals do you have that I should have? What am I missing? And I'm like, wait, you're you're operating from the wrong perspective. First, ask yourself, what are the things that I want to measure? What matters to me? And then you go into Google Analytics and you set up your goals or your event tracking so that you can get those insights.
1: 100%. It's designing with intent is how I remember... Back when I was a wee baby and paid advertising in um the late the late early two thousands, like two thousand seven. Um nothing makes me feel as old as talking about <laughs> back in the day on Twitter. But one of my first campaigns, I remember going and looking and I was like, I don't remember what any of this shit is. I was like, I need to start giving my ad names things that are discernible, not just a date and a number. Like what is ad one, what is ad two and setting it up for to answer those questions you know what do we want to see and not everything has to be revenue like not everything has to be revenue there's other things that matter especially if you're in my opinion if you're running abm campaigns mm. can you report on penetration into your target accounts can you report on a lift in engagement in your target accounts you know ideally yes like let's tie it to revenue but there's also a ton of value that comes from those other activities but if you're not setting it up to measure it you're not going to be able to measure it
0: Yeah, and just, you know, know, even taking a step back, one of the things that I learned from the product world is the concept of proxy metrics. So being able to build a great product is tough, right? You always have conflicting priorities, you have limited time, everyone has their own bias on what they think is the best way forward. So it's really hard to influence a lagging indicator on the product side, like retention, right? That's comes three, six months down the line, et cetera depending on what's your average like timeline for users. So what product teams do is they define leading indicators, which is what they call proxy metrics, that they try to optimize towards so that it can impact that lagging indicator, which is like month month over month user retention, uh, et cetera. Uh, so taking that concept and applying it to the marketing lens, the way I kind of how I define it from a paid perspective is I call them your optimization signals, right? so you need to define your leading and your lagging signals so depending on the stage and the primary goal right if i'm doing demand creation and i'm focusing on that stage then my leading indicators are going to look a little bit different versus if i'm doing capture campaigns and i'm trying to drive direct response form fills so for on the leading side for create it's probably going to be something looser but relevant such as click-through rate uh, because if my ad is not being engaged well then People are obviously not interested Mm -hmm. in my content, which is typically the primary offer on that stage. And then also the engagement rate, right? If I'm driving people to my website, are they actually engaged, right? Are they enjoying the content? Are they not? Uh, Who's commenting? Who's liking, right? So there's going to be a different leading indicator versus on the capture side, I could probably just use something as simple as like cost per lead, especially if I understand what my break-even cost per lead is and I back-factor that from revenue.
1: Yeah, I love it. Do you have tools that you're using for kind of helping pull that together or are you just in the platform seeing what's happening
0: I wish I had a tool <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm I'm actually in the process right now like kind of side note like I'm learning how to build SaaS tools right now like I'm yeah. cuz with the academy I'm going to build my own LMS and like that's kind of like the long-term vision uh, and I have so many ideas for tools but no I'm doing it all myself which takes forever and have you and this, taught
1: yourself SQL are you learning SQL and building your own databases too
0: I'm not there yet. I'm like starting, (laughs) I'm going to hire a development team, but I'm a big believer in, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, like you should know enough about everything to know whether or not it's being successfully delegated. So like, I'm not going to necessarily code the platform myself, but I do want to know enough where I can speak to engineers, I can look at the code base, you know, etc. So I'm like literally starting from the ground zero, like HTML, CSS, Java, And I'm going up, so...
1: Yeah. I'm For those who don't want to do it by hand, Uh uh, but it's also doing a little by hand, I'm a huge fan of Google Data Studio. I moved away from it for a while, but I've recently come back and using it with a tool like Supermetrics that allows you to plug in all those ad platforms to it. That has recently been my go-to because also it's free. Oh, I totally free. misinterpreted
0: the question. Yes, so oh, I do yeah. use reporting tools. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> in the stone age. I thought you meant like, am I doing the calculations of like figuring out the break even cost for lead and the you know all that? No. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Oh my god. <laughs> so what I usually use is Google Sheets. It We're could,
1: leaving this in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Low well, for sure. Uh, I usually use Google Sheets, and then I use Data Slayer, which is basically the same thing as Supermetrics. Oh. Uh, okay. It, yeah but it's just cheaper and that's it why it sounds cooler. It it is a pretty cool. Game. I
1: picture like a wizard and your data is the dragon and it's coming uh. into life cuz you cuz dragons hoard things and data right. hoards numbers. I did not right? know dragons hoard things. Yeah, we're yeah, well, obviously. You're a you're a dragon of paid advertising. You just hoard knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to share it with the world. You're going to share your right. your gold with the world. Um coming. Yeah, getting tools helps helps quite a bit with it. Yeah. Uh, do you have so nowadays, you know, I think last time we talked, you were you were starting to do some on TikTok, you were on Twitter. Do you have a current, like this is mid year Silvio now, do you have a current mm-hmm. favorite advertising platform?
0: It's always so tough for me to answer. I Who's your I favorite honestly, child? <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes, but I kind of see them all as tools. You know, And it just depends yeah. on what tool is going to get the job done depending on what I'm focusing on. So I'll tell you right now, mid-year Silvio, you know, especially with like launching the Academy later this year, kind of where my head's at with, uh, with paid for us is, is very much short form content. So TikTok, uh, YouTube Shorts is monetized now. So you can run YouTube Shorts ads. Uh, so that's really where my head is at right now in terms of leverage. And I think YouTube is still so underrated. So if I had to choose one right now, I would say YouTube. Because of the ability to tap into intent audiences from search, and then now the fact that you have the ability to run ads through YouTube Shorts is ridiculous. And uh, you know, just for some context, like six cent CPMS right now. Oh my god, like insanely cheap. It, I,
1: I love it.
0: So I'm much. not even like I'm so sure that that is not going to be the same six months from now, a year from now. So, but I love channels that are so underutilized and they're so cheap. Um, because it's such an opportunity to just acquire so many first touches for a fraction Mm -hmm. of a cost, get those people into your retargeting layer, and then from there, you can just further nurture them across channels.
1: Yeah, we are all into short-form content here on the podcast. We're all into it. TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, like, we're here for it. We are here so much for it.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, And just on the organic side with my YouTube channel, yeah. Uh, I've been posting two videos a week now, which has been amazing on the on the channel, but it's slow. You know what I mean? It takes time for videos to rank. Then they get indexed. That's just the way it goes with YouTube. Like one of my top videos ever on my channel, I remember I posted it and it was like crickets. Nobody watched it for six months. This was even before I had even fewer subscribers. But then all of a sudden, YouTube picked it up and it took off. Yeah. And that's kind of how long form works on YouTube. But with YouTube Shorts right now, the way it works is you post a YouTube Shorts and like, you'll get a ridiculous amount of views within the first day, especially within the first hour. And then it just kind of flatlines. And then like 48 hours later, it spikes up a little bit again, and then it just flatlines again. Okay, so like, it's interesting how YouTube Shorts is definitely what the algorithm is favoring. So yeah. um, I'm actually about to run an experiment of like posting YouTube Shorts content. And then the ones that do best organically are the ones that a leverage as an ad.
1: Yes. I think people, one of the biggest ways that people fuck up is they take their worst performing content. They go, Oh my God, I didn't get enough like views. Let me boost it and get more. No, stop it. It's a bad (laughs) idea. Take your top performing content organically, your top performing organic content. Use that as advertisements. Use it that way. People, I think, often start testing on paid because you can get more reach. You can get more volume with it. Test on organic. Test. take your best organic... We used to do this for Time Inc. all the time. I don't know if this is like an NDA violation, but whatever, I'm sharing it. We used to do this for Time Inc. where we would take their top performing organic post and they had like 240, 250 Facebook pages at the time. We would take their top performing organic post and we would boost that and we would put an advertiser's image on top of it. That was their content every day. Whatever was top the the day before, take that, boost it for like 10,000 impressions, put the advertiser logo on it. That was an entire campaign that we ran for like a year and a half.
0: <laughs> it's you know, at the end of the day, it's that's your warmest, most loving yeah. audience. And if it doesn't work for your best audience, chances are it's not gonna work <laughs> on your worst, that are have no brand affinity, no trust, right? And like another on that note of like really doubling down on the things that are are working, when it comes to your audience segmentation, like right now people's budgets are getting cut. So a lot of the clients that I've been speaking to and, and people I've been advising, I'm like, really, this is a time to like triple down. So instead of you know using an analogy of like, don't be a shotgun, be a sniper. Like really focus yeah. in, hone in on. You know, let's say you have five personas. Okay, can you focus on the top two that are the most you know effective in terms of like revenue contribution? Instead of covering three thousand accounts, what if you segmented that list right based on your top one hundred, and then your top six hundred, and then your top four hundred as an example? And then now you can allocate more budget towards the ones that are going to have a bigger impact to the bottom line, right? So at the end of the day, it's like triple down on what best is for you, because chances are if it's not going to work for the best, then it's definitely not going to work on the worst.
1: Yes. That's a much nicer way of putting it. Then we compliment each other. Yeah. Then don't be a fucking <laughs> idiot.
0: <laughs> the PG version.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah i am your anger translator
0: we should totally do like a segment doing that that would be so funny
1: yeah hey you know perhaps you should think about leading indicators you fucking look at your impressions. i don't know it's not impressions but yeah that would be hilarious that would be good content That'd be good. that would be
0: that would be yeah
1: let us know in the comments below if you want to see more of that
0: Wait, you're gonna blow us up
1: <laughs> so the we're we're coming up on time here but the the podcast closing episode is always what's favorite part of your tech stack has do you have a new favorite part of your tech stack i mean i feel like your academy is the favorite part of your tech stack right now and i'm gonna put it in there because it can be part of your tech stack listeners at home for a low low cost of something
0: it so this is what excites me about building an academy is not that i'm building an academy It's the way we're building it. So, you know, the whole premise is like, I'm trying to pivot away against the normal online education model where, you know, they create a course, they make it as relevant to as many people as possible. They sell it to as many people as possible so they can maximize profits and not impact. And then you end up with like hundreds of courses, terrible course completion rates, students left with like surface level learnings. And it's just this like vicious trap. I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that. I'm like when we create a course, it's relevant to one specific niche only. So for us it's all about B2B. Then from there, we're not uh selling it, we're giving it away for free <laughs> to maximize oh, shit. yeah. All the, all the all the courses on demand are free, right? To maximize impact because our mission is to scale ideas profitably into the world of paid ads, and I truly believe like it's a a superpower that can help somebody whether that's improving their career, landing a new position, or me when I first started out like making money for my DJ business. I was a broke college student. Like it's such a powerful tool. Um, and you know, like that is definitely my obsession right now. There's so much more to come in terms of SaaS, like embedding and like learning experiences. And that's really like our whole focus is learning experiences, not just courses. Like it's actually in the web copy. Like I, I'm like, if I can give you all the knowledge you need about Google ads in 30 minutes, I would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like We're very big on um, impact over quantity. Which is another one of our rules, is like no lesson is longer than 10 minutes. And it's by design to force myself and future instructors to really think about like what matters most. Yeah. But yeah, so much more to come.
1: (laughs) I think Sylvia, I think that's why we're kindred spirits, obviously. Uh I used to back in the day, I'm gonna age myself again with the statement, but Blab used to be a platform back in the day in like the 2010s. And you could have up to four people live on video and then a bunch of people in the room. And so my friend Afton and I would literally, we would have a room and it was just Facebook advertising questions. Mm-hmm. And her and I would sit on there for six to eight hours on the weekend on Saturday. We'd sit there six to eight hours and we would just answer people's advertising questions. And that's all we wow. did. And, and I built like a Pinterest course back in the day that I sold and the next one I just gave away because why do we need to gatekeep knowledge? If we can all have better advertising campaigns and help uplift the entire industry as a whole, why would we not do that?
0: Yeah. You know? And it's, it's such a need. Like, every, like, I create a lot of content on ads. You know, I'm always helping people. And they always ask me, the like, hey, I want to get into advertising. Like, where do you recommend that I go? And I'm like, okay, you're going to have to go to this YouTube channel and then yeah. these blog articles. And it's like, it's very disparate. And, and it's there's this not...
1: membership that you have to pay for. Right. And it's this other thing that you have to, again, pay for. And then and it's this all other fragmented, thing.
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like so much of my learning curve could have been cut if I had a path laid out, you know? Uh, and that's, that's really ultimately like what I want to solve for is like I want to give the world a, a place that they can go to so where they have trusted information that's like taught by people that actually know what they're talking about and laid out in a way that they can consume that knowledge in the shortest amount of time possible and actually get hands-on experience because that's really where the learnings come from and just kind of why i'm like so against courses just for courses it's like the real application is what separates you um but yeah a lot to come and and on the on the revenue side like we have bets you know like in terms of monetization but like the goal is to put um as much knowledge out there
1: yeah, I think something else that I would anticipate that is going to be different with not to like plug you too much, but something that I also anticipate being different is a lot of what you see out there for courses on advertising is really surface level. It's saying like run run one to three ad variants to make sure that you have stuff to optimize. It doesn't it doesn't really get into the nitty gritty. And so what I've seen what I've seen as an as someone who hires performance marketers throughout the course of my career is you have a bucket of people who are good, but they're not great. And there isn't information for people who want to get great at it. There's not a lot out there that really dives into like, how do you actually go through and optimize? How do you actually, when you're in, you're running a campaign on Facebook, and you have a limited budget. And so you're gonna have limited data. How do you make intelligent decisions with limited data that will never, ever reach significance? How do you still use your data? Mm -hmm. How do you still follow through on that? And I would anticipate just because you and I both worked in that environment and had conversations with that, I'd be shocked if you didn't go down that path. So I'm gonna assume that
0: that you're great people who want to get
1: great at it too. And it's definitely a a tangible market failure of something that's missing in in the world right now.
0: Yeah, so many exciting things. Uh, we just, we ha- we're have we going to have like a public feedback area. So like a public facing roadmap. So when students have ideas of like courses that they want us to cover or topics, they can submit it there and then mean for now, but eventually product team can, uh, you know, prioritize those requests. <laughs> yes. uh, if they have instructors that they would love us for to work for, like, so I'm very much going to build it in public and yeah. and like really build f- for the need that is there.
1: That's exciting. Well, we will link to everything in the show notes below. Uh, if, if you are listening to this prior to the Academy launching, we'll link to Silvio's site and newsletter where you can sign up to get notified. If you're listening after it launches, we'll make sure those are updated with all the relevant links. And I'm sure that you'll be hearing more about it on our socials in general because we are really excited to cheer you on as you build this academy too. So thank
0: you. Thank you. I'm so, so grateful.
1: Ooh, all right. Well, we'll see everyone on the next episode.